Hello, welcome to Stories for Wonderful Children, the podcast where I share the recordings of the bedtime stories I've created for my children over the years. I'm Dan Wendelin, your host and storyteller. In this story, told in July of 2008, Flibbiter Gibbet finds himself suddenly alone, facing a new threat from the Frost Fairies. He must recruit new allies. But who will it be? Please excuse the tapping noise that one of my wonderful children was making for the first 30 seconds or so of this recording. It ends quickly. Enjoy the story. Flibberty Gibbet woke suddenly in the middle of the night. He did not open his eyes, but lay very still, breathing slowly, trying to figure out what had woken him. He listened, and he heard movement in his bedroom. Now, no one was allowed to come into Flippity Gibbet's bedroom after he went to sleep until it was time to wake him in the morning, and he knew that it was not morning. So he suspected that whoever was in his bedroom was someone with bad intentions. So he waited until he could hear the movements come closer to his big cat bed, and then he opened his eyes and swiped out with both paws. At the same moment, he felt his paws connect against two things. One of them made a sound that sounded distinctly like a goblin. The other paw contacted the cold of ice armor. Flippity Gibbet immediately threw himself to one side before he had even looked to see what it was that was in his room. And it was a good thing he did, because a bolt of ice magic went right past him. He leapt and tackled a frost fairy he did not recognize, as the frost fairy was turning to try to bring its wand to bear. Flippity Gibbet knocked the wand out of the frost fairy's hand. And the, the goblin got up and, reaching over to touch the frost fairy, touched something on its belt and they both disappeared. Oh, said Flibbidjibbit to himself. This is a very bad. If a frost fairies and the goblins can make it into the bedroom in the, uh, my castle, who knows where else they may be? He carefully eased the door of his bedroom open and looked up and down the hall. He did not see anything unusual The cat guards were posted at various points along the hallway, just as they always were. He closed the door again and turned back to his desk. There at his desk, he picked up a card, and he wrote in it, Theodore, I need you. Theodore immediately appeared. What is it, George? Majesty. Theodore, I've had a most unusual visitor this evening. Oh, said Theodore. What sort of visit? I had a visit from a goblin and a frost fairy. They were not invited to visitors. They simply showed up. Oh. That's not good, said Theodore. No, I thought 
not said with a breach of it. I would like you to perhaps go and check on some of our friends and make sure that everything is okay. Please report back to me in a one hour in the throne room. Theodore bowed, purred, and disappeared. What kind of Theodore. Theodore is a messenger cat. Oh. Well, why does he disappear? Because that's something. He's black. You know that. Oh. Um, because that's something messenger cats can do. They can just go from place to place. That's how he always just appears on the end of Winella's bed in the middle of the night. Because he can just disappear in one place and appear in another. It's sort of like... He can do the things that Cat's Paw Highway can do, but he doesn't need a Cat's Paw Highway to do it. He can just like, go someplace. It's like he has his own personal Cat's Paw Highway. Right, that nobody else can see, and it's always with him. Flibbertigibbet got dressed in his, royal, in his royal crown, his royal robes, and stopped by the kitchen to get a light snack of a little tuna fish jello. And then he headed straight up hey, to the yeah, throne room. By the time he'd done these things, gotten dressed and gotten a little snack, and got him out to his throne room, Theodore was already waiting for him. And also, said Flibbertigibbet, what news do you have for me? Theodore said, well, I'm afraid the news is not good. I went and I checked on the tickling and and Winella and Lynn the magical cat and I checked on the music fairies and I checked on the king and queen of fairyland. And in all of those places, instead of who I was looking for, I found this. And Theodore reached into his bag and pulled out a small statue on a black base. The statue was made of ice and it was in the shape of a lightning bolt. Oh, said Flibbertigibbet, this is not good. All of our, our friends are missing? It would appear so, said Theodore. I suspect, your majesty, that the frost fairy and the goblin that were in your room were trying to make you disappear in a similar way. This statue is the one that I found in his room. Oh, said Flibbertigibbet, this is very bad. I, the Frost Fairies have always been a, a nuisance, but they have never done anything like this. I think that someone is 
is trying to send us a, a message. What sort of message do you think they're sending, Your Majesty? I think they are sending us the message that they are more powerful than we think, that they have become more organized than we realized, that they are smarter than we think, and that oh, none of us are safe. We must find our friends. We must free them. Indeed, said Theodore. But how are we to do this? Are you going to leave the palace and go in search of them? Oh, I would uh, like to do that. I very much want to do that. But no, if the Frost Fairies have created an army and if someone new leads them, then I must stay here and ready to the defenses in the palace. No. Hmm. Let me think of perhaps someone the Frost Fairies might not know of. Someone who could, who may be able to go to their land, discover who is in charge, and rescue our friends. Let me think. Oh! Theodore, come here. This must be a secret mission. No one but you and I will know who we are sending. Theodore drew close to Flippity Chippet, and Flippity Chippet whispered for a moment in his ear. Theodore looked thoughtful for a moment, and then he nodded, and turning around in place, vanished. Rebecca Rachida and Diana were playing out in their backyard. They were swinging on their swing set, and they were playing a game where Rebecca Rachida was swinging back and forth as fast as she could, while Diana was climbing up and down the chains of the swing set and <laughs> singing a song, and they were going to see who got dizziest first. It was a silly game. But they liked silly games. Just as they were about to both get so dizzy that they were going to fall off the swing at the same time, they heard this very curious noise. Diana looked and said, Rebecca, look at that cat. Rebecca Richita turned and looked. It was indeed a cat, a very large cat. A very large, very black cat. The cat was walking across the yard towards them, purring so loudly that they could both hear it, even though it was still halfway across the yard. They stopped swinging and walked toward the cat, waiting to see what would happen. The cat stopped several feet away from them and said, Greetings, from King Flippity Chippet. I am his messenger cat, Theodore. Tell me, do I have the honor of being in the presence of Rebecca, Rachita, being uh, 
being in the presence of Rebecca Richita and Diana. The girl said, yes. Oh, excellent. I'm so glad you are not ice statues. Rebecca and Diana looked at each other and grinned. We're glad we're not ice statues, too. Why would we be ice statues? We're little girls. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. That is a bit of a story. May we sit down in your clubhouse? Sure, said Diana. They went up into the clubhouse of their swing set, and Theodore told them what had happened. The girls were very upset when they found that some of their friends that they knew, like Winella, had been kidnapped by Frost Fairies. Well, we'd like to help. Frost Fairy Land must be a long way away. Actually, said Theodore, no one except the Frost Fairies knows where Frost Fairyland is. So the first thing you will have to do is find it. Ah, said Rebecca. Well, we're going to have to ask our mommy and daddy. Can you wait here? Certainly, said Theodore. So Rebecca and Diana went in to talk to their daddy. They told him the story, and he listened carefully. He said, Frost fairies are bad business girls. Are you sure you want to do this? And they said that yes, they did. And he said, okay. Well, here's what you're going to do. You can have two days, and then I want you back. And you have to take these things with you. And then he went upstairs, and he got his adventuring bag. And he reached in and pulled out three objects. Actually, four objects. Well... Sort of three, I'll explain it to you. The first thing he handed to Diana and said here, this is a satellite cell phone. It's actually not just a satellite cell phone. It's a trans-dimensional satellite cell phone. And Diana said, what? And her daddy said, yes. This cell phone will work anywhere in the world, and it will work anywhere in any other world, even magical worlds. No matter where you are, you can use this phone to call me or mommy if you need help. You're supposed to keep this with you, okay? Okay, said Diana. And then he handed the second thing to Rebecca. He said, this is the map. The map of what, said Rebecca? Everything, said her daddy. Everything, said Rebecca? Yes, said her daddy. If you're going to go rescue your friends, you have to find Frost Fairyland. And to find Frost Fairyland, you're going to need the map of everything. Okay, said Rebecca. She put it into the pocket of her adventuring clothes. Then her daddy took the third thing, which was really two things. It was a necklace that had, well, two necklaces that shared a single sort of heart in the middle. The heart was gold on one half and silver on the other, and it fit together like a puzzle. Their daddy slid the two halves of the heart apart and handed each girl a necklace. What's this? they asked. That, he said, is the inversum. The what? they said. The inversum, he said. I just have a feeling you're going to need it. What does it do? said the girls. Well, it's probably better if you don't know that, said their daddy. 
But if you're on your adventure, you're ever stuck in a situation where you can't think of any other way out, you should use the inverse on. You each have to grab it in your right hand and look right at each other in the eyes and say each other's names. Okay, the girl said. Now, give me a hug. And they did. And then they went upstairs and they gave their mommy a hug. And then they went back out to Theodore. Okay, they said, we'll do it. Excellent, said Theodore. I will tell Liberty Gibbet, and then I will be back in five minutes. In the meantime, consult that map and figure out where I may take you first. And then Theodore disappeared, and Rebecca unfolded the map of everything on the floor of their clubhouse, and the girls began to look at it. And tomorrow night, I will tell you what they discovered on the map, and what they did when Theodore came back, and where they went. And that is the end of tonight's story. Thanks for listening to Stories for Wonderful Children. I created today's story, but questions and witty commentary were supplied by my children. The music was created by Brandon Thompson. Your reviews and personal recommendations are the main way that new listeners find the show, so thank you for spreading the word. I'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to get in touch via email or social media, which are listed in the show notes. Until next time, I'm Dan Wendelin, reminding you to tell someone you love a story. Music